Sharai, the podcast co-hosted by the Governance Program at the Aga Khan University and the International Society for Islamic Legal Studies in cooperation with the University of Bern. Welcome to a new episode of Shari, the podcast. My name is Serena Tolino. And my name is Gianluca Parolin. In this episode, we are delighted to have as a guest Taha Tarek Yavuz from Osnabrück University. Welcome, Tare. Welcome, Gianluca. Welcome, Serena. Thank you very much. Tare, what do you like to do in your free time? I have been playing soccer with passion since I was six years old. Unfortunately, I injured my knee a few years ago. So now I've gone into academia and I'm not more playing soccer. I like to read, but not much. To be honest, I select while reading. And I have a weakness for books, so which means I always have problems with my wife when it comes to buying books. <laughs> and I'm a passionate father and husband. Actually, I spend a lot of time with pleasure time with my family. And of course, if you ask the family, maybe they may see it differently. But <laughs> this is, these are my hobbies and my, my life, my normal life. So you'll probably find many other soccer fans among the conference participants. Um, yeah, I heard does, that, does that, Sammy, you. Does that mean that uh, you turned to playing soccer on screens, on video games? No, no. I just play on the field, yeah. <laughs> so thank you a lot. Now you are working on your PhD at the University of Osnabrück, is that right? Can we ask you yes. what you are working on? Maybe some brief information about me and my academic life. I um, completed my bachelor and my master's degrees at the University of Osnabrück. And I'm currently a research assistant at the same university and a doctoral student. During my studies, I have had the privilege to develop my academic knowledge in Egypt, in Turkey, and partly in England. And I also was able to complete a large part of the classical madrasa curriculum during my studies. So I love um, the Arabic language and some sciences, some Islamic sciences. And in my dissertation, I attempt to analyze the relationship between Ilmul Kalam and Balagha by Saaduddin al-Taftazani, a scholar of the 13th century. Um, without question, he is one of the most important scholars of Islamic Sunni tradition. And unfortunately, he is somewhat neglected in research, in my opinion. And my hypothesis is that the relationship between Ilmul Kalam and Balagha on a macro perspective, even, even language and relation or thought is not a random relationship. So I must confess that I'm still in the early stages of my dissertation, but this is one of my hypotheses I want to analyze in my dissertation. So language plays a key role in your analysis? Yes, yes. In what way? So I want to analyze some theological views from Saaduddin al-Taftazani and see what the role of language is in his views, in his theological views. Do you have any examples that you can think of right off the top of your head? Yeah, I just wrote an article for Brills a few weeks ago and I uh, analyzed the first لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ 
and I looked at the vow in this first. So it is translated as and. In every translation of the Quran, I found, I saw that this vow is vow uh, al But on a rhetorical way, on a linguistic way, we have to translate this vow as yet. So, yet he is all seeing and all hearing. So I want to analyze in my dissertation this linguistic meanings in the verses, and I saw this linguistic meaning in the Sharh al-Aqaid uh, by uh, Sa'd al-Din al-Taftazani. Uh, thank you, Tariq. So this is clearly a problem of translation, but do you think it's also a problem in reception or understanding when this verse is not translated, that there is like a predominant understanding of the wow as the wow al-atf? So when we translate the wow as wow al-atf, then the relationship between the first and the second part is not clear. So, لَيْسَ كَمِسْدِهِ شَيْءٍ what is the relationship between the first part and the second part? So I think there is a problem, and I prefer to translate it as yet and not as end. Thank you a lot for this fascinating presentation of your PhD thesis. What will you talk about when you come to London? First of all, I want to mention that I have been teaching Islamic sciences and Arabic to students for several years. My focus is on kalam, usul al-fiqh, mantiq, and adab al-bahs wal-munadhara. So actually more in the rational field of Islamic sciences. But in addition to my teaching, I have a great interest in uh, philosophy, and I'm studying philosophy at the University of Münster. But even before my studies, I was very much involved with modern currents, which very quickly led me to Muhammad Zaid al-Kawthari. So especially Egypt and its modernization, Muhammad Abdu, or in other words, the Abdu movement, his teacher, Jamal al-Din al-Afghani, and his student, Rashid Rada, as well as the reaction of traditional scholars such as Mustafa Sabri and Muhammad Zaid al-Kawsari. And on the other hand, I also dealt with the Wahhabiya movement before my study at the university. Uh, thus, before and during my studies, I had a lot to do with Muhammad Zaid al-Kawsari. And I also translated different articles into German and looked at his intellectual biography and also analyzed his dispute with Mahmoud Shaltout about the return of Jesus, uh, the parousia. And at the conference, I don't want to spoil, but what I can reveal is Muhammad Zaid al-Kawsari's personality, in my view, has been interestingly neglected in Islamic scholarly discourse. Thus, using his work, An-Nukat al-Tarifa, I will try to emphasize both his intellectual personality, furthermore, the analyzed accusation against him, such as that he was fanatical in the Hanafi school of law. And this book, in my view, is interesting because He's also criticizing Ibn Abi Shayba, but this does not immediately indicate that he agrees with Abu Hanifa in all aspects. His approach to Abu Hanifa, Muhammad Zaid al-Kawsari's approach to Abu Hanifa should therefore be understood in its context at the time, in his context. At that time, for example, there were the Jam'iyya as-Sunnah al-Muhammadiyya, 
first and foremost was the head of this Jam'iyah was a Sheikh Muhammad Hamid Al-Faqih. This guy, Muhammad Al-Faqih, published the biography of Abu Hanifa, which was cited by Khatib al-Baghdadi in his Tariq al-Baghdadi. In this biography, a lot of negative information about Abu Hanifa was narrated, so that Abu Hanifa was asked twice to repent from Kufr, for example, and the people became happy after his death. This information are mentioned in this book from Khatib al-Baghdadi. The book of Khatib al-Baghdadi is actually a multi-volume work. So in this time, it was only available in manuscript at that time. So the same story, or rather a similar, similar one, is repeated in his work, Al-Nukat al-Tarifa fi-Tahaddus, and Rudud ibn Abi Shayba ala Abi Hanifa. So there was a guy who mentioned the biography from Abu Hanifa, which was mentioned in Ibn Abi Shaybas Musannaf. And also in this biography, we find negative informations about Abu Hanifa. In 125 meters, according to Ibn Abi Shayba, Abu Hanifa contradicts the traditions, the prophetic traditions. And Muhammad Zayd al-Kawsari looked at each aspect and introduces his own opinion and says, Aqulu. So he analyzes every matter. He examines which of the scholars agreed with Abu Hanifa and which of the scholars did not agree with him, and whether they differed in methodology of usul and usul al-hadith, ahkam al-hadith, and so on. Another aspect is also whether the opinion can be authentically attributed to Abu Hanifa. What I can already anticipate is that it is not a pure Abu Hanifa defense from Muhammad Zayd al-Kawsari, but uh, more on this during the conference in May. We definitely look forward to that. So your work on your paper will focus basically on multi-layer analysis of the role of Abu Hanifa. Now, you mentioned also the appreciation of Al-Kawthari that you're interested in, and of course, his success in the subcontinent, especially among the Ubandi circles, you know, is often connected with his interest or appreciation of the uh, adherence to a certain madhab. Do you see that in your close reading of Al-Kawthari? I don't see it, so I, uh, I will analyze this topic in my paper. But also the Dioband and the Ottoman uh, scholars in the Turkey and the Ottoman time are close to Muhammad Zayd al-Kawthari because he is, um, I think he is, interest, is interesting because he looked at the, at the matters from different perspectives. He is looking from a Kalam perspective. He is looking from a Hadith perspective. He is looking from a Fiqh perspective. And so, Muhammad Zayd al-Kawsari, I don't think so that he is like you mentioned in your question, but we will analyze it. Thank you a lot for taking the time, Tarek, to discuss with us. See you in London. Thank you, Tarek. Thank you very much. Thank you.